death couldn't hold him down. You're following a, a king who defeated sin and death. I don't know about you, but I know some people who struggled with sin and death. It's a pretty good king to follow. He conquered your sins, the ones that you struggle with. He conquered death, this inevitable death. rose from the dead. He, what? He rose from the dead. And he's still alive. And then he ascended into heaven. Like, think about that. That's, it sounds religious or something. He was dead, and then he rose from the dead. Have you been to a funeral? He got out of the grave. And then... He ascended as they watched him. Can you imagine? That is the king. That's the person. That's the man. That's the God that you follow. That happened in history, in time, on the earth. That's why you're here. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't fiction. This isn't a nice story. This is what happened. Hallelujah. Turn to 2 Peter 3. As is customary, you've already kind of heard my message through our service today. Thank you, Jeremy. Worship team. Thank you, Lord. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. I'm going to read it. Loved ones, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you. In both, I am trying to stir you up by way of a reminder to wholesome thinking to remember the words previously proclaimed by the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through your emissaries. First of all, understand that in these last days, scoffers will come scoffing, following after their own desires and saying, where is this promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers died, everything goes on just as it has from the beginning of creation. For in holding to this idea, it escapes their notice, Peter says here, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Through these, the world of that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept until the day of judgment in the destruction of ungodly people. But don't forget this one thing, loved ones. That with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Rather, he is being patient toward you, 
not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with the roar and the elements will melt and disintegrate in the earth and everything done in it shall be exposed. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be? Live your lives in holiness and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. And in that day the heavens will be dissolved by fire and the elements will melt in the intense heat. But in keeping with his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. The title of my teaching is Be a Blessing. And we're in this preparatory season, the month of Elul, as we are heading toward the high holy day season, the fall festivals. And the fall festivals, of course, are about the return of the king, the return of Yeshua. So we're in this last day's preparation on the calendar. And the title of this chapter According to the TLV, they've labeled it, the day of the Lord is coming. So this is very uh, apropos for us as we're in this preparation season before the coming of the day of the Lord, which we observe every year in the fall feasts. So I'm just going to briefly go through these verses Peter's writing to believers. You need to know that for the context. 2 Peter 1.1 1, 1 shows that. But verse 1 here. Loved ones, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you. And both I am trying to stir you up by a way of reminder to wholesome thinking. He's trying to stir us up. Remember what I said last week? He wants us to get woke. Right? He wants us to wake up. Stir us up unto what? Unto just loud music and dancing? No. I mean, that techno was for a reason. It was to wake you up. But it was unto what? He says here, wholesome or pure thinking. How do we uh, prevent unwholesome and impure thinking? Well, the next verse. Remember the words previously proclaimed by the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through your emissaries. Again, this, this is how to live in the last days. You can see what, what Peter's exhortation is to us. He's saying, wake up to what's going on. You need wholesome and pure thinking because why? You're under a bombardment from the world against this. So what do you need to do? You need to be in the word. You need to remember the words of the prophets, of the emissaries, of our Lord Yeshua. You must be in the word. It's necessary for what? Wholesome thinking. Romans 12, famously, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? People are, are defining good and evil for themselves. People are doing what is right in their own minds. So we need to renew our minds, have pure and wholesome thinking by meditating and staying in the Word. Verse 3, 
First of all, understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing, following after their own desires. Now, Jeremy just read this whole psalm that's addressing the scoffers, addressing the mockers, addressing the wicked, who are again are bombarding us. There's a full frontal attack, this release of the tactic of the enemy coming against the people of God. But what's interesting is the context here is actually to believers, meaning he's, there's also within the camp, or you're not sure if they're in the camp or if they're not in the camp, there's scoffers, there's mockers. We're swimming in this, aren't we? If you don't know we're swimming in it, wake up! Get woke! That's what he's trying to say. Wake up to the reality of it. But what do we do? We, we need to be critical, and yet we can't be overly critical. We need constructive criticism. We need to, we need to uh, critique Donald Trump, don't we? But it's like it seems like you just swing way over here, or it's like he's Yeshua in the flesh or something weird. Or, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the camp. You, the, the Satan wants us to swing one way or the other, one extreme or the other, right? We need discernment, don't we? What's going on in the Catholic Church? I'm so disturbed if you're reading anything about what's going on in the Catholic Church. The Lord is purifying His bride. Whether it's the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, the Messianic movement, He is purifying His bride. And He's bringing into the light the darkness that's been hidden. And we have to be constructively criticizing. So what is the key here? I think Peter's giving us a key to, I mean, he's like prophesying what's going on right now. He's exposing it in the midst of our camp. And he's saying the discernment key is this. They're following after their own desires. They're following after their own desires. Jude 16, he says something similar here. Jude 16 through 19. These are belly-aching grumblers. Hilarious biblical language. (laughs) Following after their own desires. Their mouth speaks grandiose things, showing favoritism for the sake of gain. If you'll just compromise your interpretation of Scripture then you'll gain followers. You'll get more clicks. You'll get more donations. You'll get more likes. They speak grandiose things, but you, loved ones, ought to remember the words previously proclaimed by the emissaries of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Again, what is he saying? You need to know the scripture. You need to know the word. Jude's saying the same thing as Peter if he's not completely quoting Peter. How they kept telling you, in the last times there will be scoffers following after their own godly desires. These are the ones who cause divisions. Worldly minded, not having the ruach. Not having the spirit. They're they're taking the blessings for themselves. Instead of being a blessing to others. 
They're using their power. They're using their influence. They're using their, their media platform to take the blessings for their own selfish gain and their own selfish desires and sometimes their own sexual pleasures. Yeah, I said it. That they're using their own spiritual platform for that. And Peter's saying the discernment here is what are their desires? They're following their own desires. And the fruit is what? It's division. Not surprisingly. This is an end time tactic of the enemy to take the blessings and not want the blesser. We want, I'll, I'll, I'm going to take love. I'm going to take equality. I'm going to take justice. As if you can just take it yourself. Are you following me? But you're like, oh, I, I'm just going to take these, but I don't need the blesser. Well, where does love come from? Where does equality come from? Where does justice come from? You can't have this fruit without the vine. You can't have the blessings without the blesser, or else they're not really blessings. This is just modern-day idolatry in the name of God. Well, this is love. Pursue love. You have to have the blesser in order to pursue love, or else it's not true love. It's an old strategy of the enemy. You can have the fruit. You don't need the blesser. Take a bite. Hello, this isn't a new tactic. But people, and we are falling for it. Take a bite. You don't need the blesser. But guess what? That bite, that selfish desire, that craving of the flesh leads to death. The blessing only comes as this outworking of a relationship with God. Verse 4, scoffers are saying, where is this promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers died, everything goes on just as it has from the beginning of creation. So the scoffers are, are lying, right? They're deceiving. And here's the, the bottom line of the deception is this, as they're saying, God is not going to fulfill his promises. That's what they're saying. He's not going to fulfill his promises. So let's personalize this. Where are the promises and blessings that you promised me, God? Where, where are they? Are you doubting that he's going to fulfill his promises, his prophecies, his blessings to you? Or, or maybe you're thinking beyond yourself. Where's the love? Where's the justice? Where's the unity? Peter is addressing these. Verse 5, For in holding to this idea, Peter's answering the critics here, that everything's just been going on the same since the beginning of creation. I love this following this argument of Peter. It escapes their notice, as a funny say, it escapes their notice, it's very intelligent, <laughs> that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. 
which is kind of a big deal. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Through these, the world of that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly people. What is he saying? Remember the judgment of the biblical flood? First of all, he's saying what? Be in the word. Again, he's saying this. You need to be in the word. Remember the Bible story? I just saw this funny Babylon Bee. Satire. It's the one thing I get on my phone, a notification I allow to pop up other than my texts, is the Babylon Bee. That tells you a little bit about me. And it was this new kid's uh, Noah's Ark playset. And it came with pagans who they could drown. <laughs> so kids could really experience and understand the wrath of God. That's hilarious, right? That's, again, it's satirical. It's not true. But. but there's something really important about what they're saying, right? So I was thinking about the, the rainbow, and the flood. And the rainbow, and I've taught on this, it represents the covenantal faithfulness of God. But it also represents his judgment. And what Peter's saying here is, remember the catastrophic worldwide judgment that God brought to the earth through water. Or say differently, he cares about unrighteousness and injustice. Look at the past. And if he did it in the past, I'm promising you, I'm telling you, he will do it in the future. No, it's not water, it's fire. He's saying history teaches us that we don't learn from what history teaches us. You heard that? I'll say it differently. The Bible teaches us that we don't learn from what the Bible teaches us. That's what Peter's saying. Read your Bible. They didn't have Bibles. There will be judgment on the ungodly. God will return. He will fulfill his promises. Simply. Verse 8. But don't forget this one thing, loved ones, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. In case you missed his point with the flood, the worldwide catastrophic flood. Rather, he's being patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, this is really interesting, okay? Now, what he's saying is, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Rather, and this is where it gets a little strange, he's being patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, what does that mean? Because he's talking to believers here. He's saying that, that these, the promise of these blessings and these are not coming in our timing, and we're frustrated by it. Who, who has been frustrated with not seeing the fulfillment of promises and blessings in your life? And God's trying to give us some perspective here. He's saying, and now, now this is the little punch in the stomach, you might not have godly desires. 
he's trying to get to the heart of it here. We, 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 what we're understanding as these blessings and promises, maybe we don't always have it right. Because what does he talk? The, the message here is he's juxtaposing two things. The ungodly desires of the scoffers and mockers. And then he's talking about God's desires. And somebody already prophesied this today. So what are God's desires? I desire that none should perish. That's God's desire. Do our desires have to do with the salvation of the world? This is the great unto what? I like to say unto what? So, do your desires have this greater unto what of the salvation of Israel, the salvation of the nations, the return of your Lord? Verse 15, I'm jumping ahead, we'll come back. Bear in mind, it says, that the patience of our Lord means salvation. Have you ever thought about this? He's saying the Lord's patience equals salvation. This is not normally connected. We don't usually think about the Lord's patience. So he's saying have patience for your promises. They will come true. But my patience equals salvation. Now let's go to Abraham for a second. What does God promise Abraham? This is the the most famous promise and blessing is with Abraham, right? He says that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. Did Abraham get to see that? He didn't see much of that, did he? He sure doesn't come on the scene for a long time. Talk about patience that leads to salvation. This is this context of blessing, right? I will bless those who bless you in the same context. I will curse those who curse you, and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's some patience leading to salvation. So what are we learning? We're learning that repentance, he desires that all would repent, becomes this access to the blessing. Right? You, you, you have to repent in order to enter into the blessing. Which is why it takes a long time for the salvation to come. So, you know, when we start talking about the end times, and in the fall especially, it seems like we have more like people talking about blood moons and wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. And my message is always the same, is when you hear all this, you have one interpretation who remembers what it was? Repent. Repent. It's, it's this patience of God that leads to salvation that began thousands of years ago. And he's using everything in his power that he can to get us to all repent. To what? To be able to receive a blessing. This blessing that God promised to all the children of Abraham. If you're physical seed, Jewish, or by faith, we're all become children of Abraham, Galatians, Paul says. I desire that none would perish. No, not even one. 
So what happens? We access the blessing and then you don't just receive the blessing and hold it for yourself, which is what I was talking about earlier, right? This is what people are doing. They're just taking the blessing and, oh, this means I get to have a nice house or this means I can do this, that or the other. No, you're supposed to then take the blessing and be a blessing. Verse 10, but on the day of the or but the day of the Lord will come like a thief or a thief in the night some manuscripts on that day the heavens will pass away with the roar and the elements will melt and disintegrate and the earth and everything done on it shall be exposed again this day of judgment is coming the world is rever- is reserved for fire I'll come back to this in a second Verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be? Good question, right? In the midst of this conflagration, or this, this, all this turmoil and, and, and the, the Catholic Church being turned upside down and the, the body being exposed for sin and corruption and the, the bureaucracy and the, I mean, there's, there's so many horrible things going on if you follow the news. So what should we do? Live your lives in holiness and godliness. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. And that day the heavens will be dissolved by fire. The elements will melt in the intense heat. But in keeping with this promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. How do we live? We live... And holiness and godliness. So this repentance, where we receive the blessing, what happens? Then we're empowered to walk in righteousness. Remember last week, Rich was teaching on biblical ethics unto being a blessing. This is really part two of Rich's teaching. So so we repent to receive the blessing, His righteousness... Now we walk in that. He was calling it personal morality. So now we walk in this personal morality so that what? So that we can then be a blessing to the earth. So then we become this conduit of blessing. And this is where social justice comes from. It comes from repentance where we submit to him, we receive his righteousness, and then we don't keep it for ourselves, but then we, what, we go out and we establish his righteousness. That's what justice is. We establish his righteousness in the earth. This is how we're loving our neighbor. So first you have to become the message, though. That's the... The disconnect, right? If you pursue justice without righteousness, this justice falls short because it's not godly justice, is it? You have to become the righteousness, which only comes from whom? From Yeshua. So this is why when we look around the earth and we don't see perfect justice, do we? We don't see perfect justice because we don't have perfect righteousness. So we only get to perfect justice when the perfectly righteous one comes to the earth. 
This is why when you cry out for justice and these people who are social justice warriors crying out for justice are crying out for the return of Yeshua. Because pure, true biblical justice happens at his return. But in the meantime, us imperfectly righteous ones who are being made perfect are trying to establish as much justice as we can. And that's called loving your neighbor in this age. The first commandment leads to the second commandment, right? You get that righteousness from him. The fruit of the scoffers, as we saw, was division. So they're not taking this blessing and giving it to others. So it leads to division because they're keeping it for themselves. But the righteous give it away. And when you give it away, that's what leads to unity, equality, love, justice, and all these fruits. Then he says, look for what? The coming of the day of God. Or, and hasten that day. So I've taught a lot about the key to hastening the day is the unity of Messianic Jewish Israel and the Gentile church. And how Messianic Israel becomes this glue that, that brings it all together, that, that helps the body of Messiah be unified. But in order to do that, what has to happen? We have to be righteous. We have to live with holiness and godliness, is what Peter's saying here. Why? Because we have to come, become like Yeshua. You, you can't get away with that. Verse 18, he, he closes out his chapter here, the, the whole letter really, saying, Instead, keep growing into the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. What is Peter saying? He's saying, I realize your righteousness is imperfect, but that's why you need to keep growing. We all have to keep growing into this. doesn't matter if you, if you just came to faith yesterday or you've known him since the day you were born. You have to keep growing into this righteousness unto justice, unto hastening the day of God and his return. This is this promised plan of God. And what happens is, is that the greater that we partner with the Lord, the greater the blessing. It's mutual blessing. The greater we partner here, the more he blesses us. And the greater we partner, the more we can bless others. So it goes well for us. It's this, it goes well in every direction, the more that we partner with the blesser, the source of the blessing. Then he says, look for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. So we're looking for the coming of the day of God and we're looking for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. Last week, Rich was talking about how this biblical ethic of justice and righteousness is to be established between us and God, between us and our neighbor. And then he said the physical creation. He called it creation care, which I love that language. Because the creation will eventually inhabit the manifest presence of God. 
So there's work to be done to purify the heavens and the earth. It says the world will be purified by fire. It was purified by water. It will be purified by fire. So humanity is purified by fire. And for the righteous, it leads to eternal life. And for the wicked, it leads to eternal death and punishment. But then the cosmos is also purified, just like humanity. And the current heavens and the earth are purified by fire. But usually the people think this means that, okay, it's just all going to burn. These are the passages that people get this phrase, it's all going to burn. Anybody heard that? Okay. But he's saying this is part of the purification process. Remember what happened in the Noah flood. So, yes, there's this worldwide purification, but it didn't annihilate and, and the whole earth is done away with. It purified it. So just like forest fires, if you study forest fires, periodically it's very healthy to have forest fires because it purifies and it brings what? New life. So it's just like our humanity. You know, when Yeshua resurrected from the dead, what happens? He gets a new body. They still recognize him. And yet he also is transcended. It's a renewal of his old body and it's beyond. It's also better because he can walk through walls and he can disappear and do these other things, right? So it's new and it's renewing. It's just like the earth. Adam and Adama, humanity and Adama, the earth. It's, we're, we're made from the earth. So we have a similar intended destiny in God. And this is his holistic restoration plan. We call this tikkun olam. Our, our congregation or our... Uh, what do we call that? Our organization, yeah, covering is called Tikkun, right? All right, I want to read this, and we're, we'll finish up. Acts 3.19, talking about Tikkun Olam and the restoration of the world. Not surprisingly, Peter says, Repent, therefore, and return, so your sins might be blotted out. So times of relief or blessing, right, might come from the presence of Adonai, and he might send Yeshua, the Messiah, appointed for you. He's already ascended. He's talking about the return, right? Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration, which the Hebrew there is tikkun, of all things that God spoke about long ago through the mouth of the holy prophets. He's giving us this holistic restoration plan where we, we love God, we receive the blessing, we walk in righteousness, and then we love our neighbor, and we establish justice so that they can receive a blessing, so that they can love their neighbor, so that they can receive a blessing. And you see this mutual blessing that all is just this constant flow from heaven as we prepare the world for his return. 
And so he's tearing, he's waiting, your, the blessings that we're wanting and the, the promises. He's saying, my, my patience is salvation. That's my unto what? I'm, this is all so that I can have a people, so that I can what? Dwell. This is where righteousness will dwell, so that I can dwell among my people. All right, let's stand up and I'll close. I have an application for you this week. So our mission is to be a blessing. How do you live in the end times? How do you live in the last days? How do you live during the high holy days? (laughs) How do you live in America in 2018 when you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, you'd be a blessing. So instead of saying, God, where are the blessings you promised me? Which I'm not saying that you can't ask God those questions. But here's what I want us to ask God this week. Are you ready? Am I a blessing? Are you a blessing? How are you blessing? If you're a disciple of the Lord, and if you're not, come talk to me. Because he wants to bless you. But he doesn't just want to bless you for your own selfish indulgences and your own selfish gain and to just feed the desires of your flesh. The world does that. And it's empty and it leads to death. He wants to bless you unto life. But if you do know the Lord, then how are you using the blessing that he's giving you? So here's your question for this week. How can I be a blessing this week? How can I bless my spouse? Not something normal. I'm talking about this is not normal routine. This is... You know, even the, the pagans will, will love on somebody that's easy to love on. How do you go above and beyond? How do you show somebody, no, the kingdom is broken into my life. It's different because of him. How can you bless a close friend of yours this weekend? Or this coming week? How can you bless your family? How could you bless your boss? So that your boss will taste the kingdom. How could you bless a stranger this week? It could be simple things. How could you bless your city? How could you bless this congregation? How could you bless the Jewish community? We're supposed to be on mission of blessing. It doesn't mean you have to start an institution of blessing this week. Start with one person. Be a blessing. I just want to pray this over our congregation. Father, let it be said about kingdom living that we are a blessing. Let it be said that each one of us and our families that we are a blessing. Wow. He's a blessing. Wow, I'm so blessed to be with him. Wow, I'm so blessed.
by those people at Kingdom Living. May it be that your closest relationships can say that you are a blessing. Peter says this in 2 Peter 3.17, Since you already know all of this, nothing I taught today was new. Peter's saying that you already know all this, loved ones. Be on your guard so that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your sure footing. Instead, keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Be a blessing. Stay awake. Be in His Word. Renew your mind. Receive His blessing. Let's hasten the day of His return. Amen. Invite those that are serving the table of the Lord.